on today's podcast, we will be talking Seth Curry stealing triple doubles. We'll get you ready for the trade deadline with the latest Blazer rumors. Also, the next 17 games and why this will be the hardest stretch. You will also have a chance to win a pair of Blazer tickets to see them taking on the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. Welcome in. This is PJ Miller and Larry Mathis. Got a little uh, primer here before the uh, trade deadline. Um, get up to date on what's going on with the Blazers, possible scenarios for um, the trade deadline, any rumors that we have heard. Um, big breaking news that uh, just came out with the uh, Knicks and Dallas making a trade for Porzingis. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about kind of where the Blazers are sitting at. Uh, how they got to where they're at right now, and a little bit of outlook on where they're going to be maybe for the rest of the year. Got a big stretch coming up. We'll talk about that. Um, Larry, how you doing? I'm doing good. I just, just got back. I sent out a St. Bernard with a cask of brandy to look for <laughs> Neil Olshay. So we're going to find him. I, th- I think just put a GPS on his uh, valet and we can, we can, we can find him. I, I, that seems like the best bet right now. <laughs> All right, so Blazers last night had a big, uh, a big win, a blowout win against Utah. Um, no Nurkic last night, so it's a little bit of a question of uh, where they were going to be at, how the game was going to be. He was really big in the win uh, last time against Utah. Gobert's big force down low for Utah, uh, but you know maybe Myers Leonard in that starting lineup probably helped a little bit. Yeah, I think it did. Well, it helped that he was hitting shots yes. early. I mean, that's that's the perfect scenario for Myers Leonard to play in where he comes out and hits what four of his first five three or maybe that's what he was for the whole game but he hit two shots early that helped pull Gobert out of the out of the lane and I mean CJ was CJ was in that that's one of his zones that he gets in where I mean he even had a pass that went in yeah he had had a a semi alley-oop to Myers that Myers let go and and it went in the basket so he was just in one of those zones. Myers was hitting shots. I was a little surprised that they didn't adjust and put favors on Leonard and and then just have Gobert kind of sag off of Aminu, but that's not what they did. They might do that again if that if that happened again next time, but but good for the Blazers. You don't expect them to win in a blowout against the Jazz, who've only lost two of their last 12 games, both of them to Portland. So that's a good showing. Yeah, I thought it was uh, uh, seeing Dame uh, during warm-ups um, – he had a little bit of pep in his step. I think maybe having that uh, time off, uh, not playing against Atlanta, I think really helped him. Um, so it was a good, uh, it was a good showing for the Blazers and something that they really needed, having so much time off um, and coming out and having a good showing, shooting so well from the floor, especially from a three-point range. Um, I think uh, that really helps. Plus, it probably helps the trade value of uh, some of their players. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is that time of year, but it's it's not. I mean. Portland has had the type of schedule where they haven't even really had time to practice. So to get three days off, and now you've got another five days off, that is huge for this time of year. And then you're going to get a break for the All-Star break. So this really bodes well for them. Um, and, and it looked like they all had some pep in their staff. I mean, they came out shooting lights out just as a team. You also have to like the way that they've played with people missing. You know, Dame sat out. CJ gets his triple-double. Um, Nurkic sits out, Myers plays well, Zach Collins did well. Um, and they both, both of those players have come off of games recently where they've had a triple-double. It's kind of surprising that, that um, you know, the first two players in a long time to have a triple-double, neither one of them are Dame. Yeah, um, I don't know if, if, you, if you got a chance to watch the game last night. Did you see that block that uh, Collins had on uh, Gobert? Which was and I saw the foul that they called and and I guess he did get his right arm a little bit on the shoulder but the but the block was completely clean. I probably enjoyed even more Layman just sending Grace and Allen back to the Stone Age with his elbow. He blocked it. Layman Jake was up so high, so. You know, it, it's nice to see those guys, some of these guys get some run in, in some positions where they're not used to. And, and, and now, you know, who's, who's next on the triple-double machine if it's not going to be Dame? I mean, is it, is it Lehman? Is it, is it, is it who, who else is going to get one? Because everyone's getting them but Dame, who you'd expect would be the first guy to get them. 
I think that's about the only person who who would be able to have the the ability to get it because I don't think Mo Mo's not getting a triple double. I don't think he's getting ten assists. No, Curry's not getting Curry's not ten, Curry's not getting ten rebounds. Although he took he took some from yeah. Dame last night, where Dame was almost going to get a triple double, and you heard the crowd groan. Yeah. It was kind of funny. The two biggest reactions last night from the crowd were one, the block, and the the poor call by the uh, by the ref on the block, and then the uh, stealing of the rebound by Curry. The crowd uh, definitely let him have it for for stealing the rebound from Dame. Yeah, because Dame had his chance. He had that one, which he he was going over to get, and Curry picked it up because it was an uncontested rebound, and then. Maybe the next position or following, there was a long rebound that basically everyone stood around yeah. waiting for Dame to go get, and he didn't get, and and uh, Utah got it back, and yeah. then and that was it. I think I think Stott saw that. Okay, we're standing around, no one's rebounding, hoping that Dame gets it. Okay, we're done with that experiment. So he talked about. Uh, we talked a little bit about Atlanta um, triple double for um, CJ. So another uh, good outing, being able someone to step up. Um, so it seems like Blazers are kind of on a roll, um, kind of coming in that time of year, trade deadline, all-star break. This happens kind of the same thing last year where uh, Blazers kind of rolling, um, coming into the break. And, you know, not a lot of moves were made because everyone kind of thought the Blazers were in a, were in a pretty good spot. Um, we've heard a lot about different trades uh, the Blazers have been rumored in, which is probably a little bit different than in the, at least the last couple of years. Um, so, I uh, kind of wanted to go over maybe a few of the uh, um, trades that uh, that Portland has been rumored to be in, um, and then at the end we'll go over maybe kind of where this team is for the next, you know, for the rest of the season. We've got a big stretch coming up. So trades that have the Blazers have been rumored to be in. Um, I think the so how far are we going to go back? And it I, seems it's not as far as it seems. It seems yeah. like you know a, a rumor from two days ago was three weeks ago. But yes, I, I think the the Atlanta ones would probably be about as far because that seems like it wasn't um, it wasn't too long ago when they were talking about uh, Prince and Deadman and and Lynn, and Lynn. probably a couple couple weeks ago. And I think that they're you know those are definitely positions of needs that the Blazers uh, would be looking at um, contracts that the Blazers would be interested in. So I think that there's. Might be some validity there. So, uh, I guess it was last week, two weeks ago, um, rumors about uh, Jeremy Lin, um, Torian Prince, and Deadman from Atlanta in some combination. Um, sounds like it would be kind of a salary dump, first round pick coming back to going back to Atlanta. Um, for some expiring contracts and some guys who could probably give a little bit this year. So I think that would be more of the, if they're looking maybe right at the end of the deadline, they don't have a lot of, they don't have anything else going on, maybe some upgrades and be able to dump some salary. Well, and that's that's been, if Neil was going to make a move, that's kind of a Neil type of move is something that is paying attention to the salary cap Maybe you get someone that that makes a contribution. Print print isn't ending, but Deadman and Lynn are. If if let's say you got all three of them, you know you're looking at twenty, twenty three around twenty three million dollars for something like that. Um, so it, it, that fits and and maybe gives you some salary cap relief. And and if you had that much coming off, maybe a little cap room next year. It's not going to be much, but maybe you maybe you can get into the full mid-level exception versus the luxury tax uh, exception and get someone like that. And and, and who knows, um, you know, maybe you like a couple of these guys and you sign them. I mean, Jeremy Lin might not be a bad guy off the bench, and I doubt he's going to make $13 million next year or in his next contract per year like he is this year. So maybe you get him for less. Prince eh, can do some things, but he's got some weaknesses. I mean, it's kind of like the, the small forwards we have now. I, I might be a little better at one thing, not as good as another. It's certainly not that needle mover we've been waiting on for. Feels like a decade now. I think with uh, Prince, you look at a guy like Mo. Can you get the same production that you're getting from Mo at a guy who makes you know he's at two point five this year, three point four, and then has a qualifying offer the year after that for four point eight. When you have you know Mo making you know twelve million dollars a year, can you can you get better production at a lower cost? So I think that would be kind of the the cost saving analysis that they would be that they would be doing with that. You know, Devin would be a good you know backup five, especially if you're able to get rid of uh, Myers Leonard if 
if that's what you you want to be able to do. But I think this would be kind of more of like a directive. Is there some sort of directive from above saying, hey, we need to you know get back under the the luxury tax right. again this year, and and, and that would be a move that that I think that that would interesting to them and that's what you've seen in the last couple i mean vonley last year and, and not that he's just tearing it up in new york you know de- decent numbers on a bad team but certainly what he's doing over there is is almost exactly what you would want for for a power forward in portland so and that was done just to get under the luxury tax line so something like this would be a Neil type move, and if and if they get some production out of it, you know, you know your your contrast with Prince versus say Mo, it all depends on which Mo shows up. If you get good engaged Mo, Mo's better. If you get, uh, you know, I'm not even sure if I want to be here tonight, Mo. Then you know Prince is probably better. So it, it's tough to know when you've got a player who even self admittedly is like, hey, sometimes it's tough for me to to get up and get engaged in games, and he's he's been fairly forthcoming with that, but it's still an issue. Yeah. So um, let's look at one of the other trades we got going on that Portland um, another another one the uh, Memphis Grizzlies and a lot going on with Memphis there um, looks like they're choosing to you know have the possibility of kind of blowing things up over there um, they've got uh, Marcus all on the block uh, Conley's on the block um, been rumors about uh, Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green which were both rumored to be uh, people that Portland has uh, talked about and then obviously uh, Steve Kyler talked about the Blazers are aggressively going after um, Mark Gasol, and I think that's one of the words that uh, you're probably going to hear a lot in the next week is um, aggressive when talking about the Blazers and Neil O'Shea, and I'm guessing that has a little bit to do with maybe some talking points that Neil wants out there, because um, I think one of the things that a lot of people, one of the criticisms that people have for him is that he's not being aggressive, he's not doing anything, he's sitting on his hands. So I think that you're going to hear the narrative of him being aggressive, him being out there trying to offer things. Well, and and if history tells us anything, that is one thing that Neil is really good at, is aggressively getting out that he is being <laughs> aggressive. But in terms of what actually gets done, um, you can almost replay the same uh, interview after the trade deadline from one year to the next of, look, we tried... There wasn't anything out there. It takes two teams. All, all the cliches will come out, and it, it's almost just put it on repeat. So you'd like to think that one of these years it's a little different. Um, he he did admit that there was a season where he should have been a little more aggressive in, in making a move. So maybe this year that's you know that's something. There is something that that they can do that still is within some some luxury tax guidelines that he may be under uh, but also that that help the team but it, it's it's much more likely and and we'll get to the Anthony Davis stuff it's much more likely it's one of these pieces that we're talking about that's a secondary ancillary piece versus someone where I think Kyler mentioned that Portland's being very aggressive to add a superstar level player that to me strikes as just that's disingenuous i don't i don't i just don't believe that yet and and there's enough people you know that i've been fortunate enough to have contacts with over the years that they don't believe that either you know who knows what could happen but not yet so a little background uh uh, Mark saw makes 24 million this year and he has a player option next year for 25.6 um, Garrett Temple makes $8 million this year, and he's an expiring. And Jamichael Green makes seven point eight and is an expiring as well. So, again, Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green kind of fit in that same uh, Dwayne Dedman, Torian Prince uh, kind of realm where, you know, their expiring contracts be able to um, maybe cut some salary, some future salary if, uh, if uh, Portland was to trade maybe some, uh, you know, Mo Harkless or a... Um, one of their well, other uh, who else we got? Harkless, uh, Leonard, Turner. Leonard. Yeah. I mean, those are probably your worst contracts, and and there might be something to doing that a year early because after the next season, you know, you have a whole bunch of expirings. But there's a lot of other teams that are going to have a whole lot of expirings due that that did the same thing that that Olshay did: overspend on guys that really weren't worth it. So, you know, do you try and do that a year early and either get some other assets? Um, 
or, or some pieces that you might be able to do something else with. Uh, who knows? I mean, you, that's what a GM's job is to always be looking one or two steps ahead um, because they are going to have a lot of expiring, but it's it's not going to have the, you know, there's not going to be much to do with it because there's going to be so many much competition from everyone else that's in the same position. So uh, move on to the next one. Uh, Tristan Thompson was rumored. Oh, I don't know. That's probably about another week ago, ten days ago. I think that one's complete bunk. I don't see any reason why they would. Why they would? Doesn't his name come up every year? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it, it's a guy and Kevin Love's name will come up. Anybody that's you know that was any good at all um, that used to be on a good team that now is not, and and you know what, what can we move this contract for? Man, those guys get paid a lot for. Not a lot of production, yeah. Or there might be some production in some places, but there's their games have a lot of holes in them. <clears throat> so I that uh, Tristan Thompson's name has been coming up every year for since the last before the last contract. So the, I don't I don't buy that either. Kevin's level name will come up just because he's from here. I think as if he, if if he was from almost any other state, I don't yeah. think it would come up here nearly as much. All right. Uh... One guy that I haven't seen come up, but I thought was an interesting, I'll, I'll throw this in here before we get to um, New Orleans, um, that I thought was an interesting piece, which I think could be had pretty cheaply, um, is Jabari Parker. Um, he's a 3-4 hybrid um, in Chicago, completely fallen out of their rotation. Um, they want to go young, um, and he has a $20 million contract for this year and then a team option for $20 million next year. So he's not somebody that Chicago is going to uh, pick up that option. So he's basically an expiring contract. Um, I think that could be someone that if uh, you had a first two and maybe a contract that's a little bit longer, Chicago may do that because they're not they're not signing any free agents next year. Um, might be somebody you might be able to pick up uh, when he was in Milwaukee. Um, he could definitely score. Um, not not the best defender, but he could definitely uh, add some points. Maybe coming off the bench. Um, so a guy that you know has some interesting you could probably get for uh, for pretty cheap. Well, the only thing, <clears throat> excuse me, with with um, you know Chicago going young and making Parker available, he's only twenty three. So yeah. you start to wonder, okay, why if they want to go young, why aren't they playing a guy that's that's twenty three? So I mean, he can score, he can rebound, he he's can shoot it a little bit outside nothing nothing great he's a career 30 34 35 percent shooter from three um his defense is atrocious he he's tough to keep on the floor because he really has to dominate offensively to justify how many points he's going to give up um and and, you know he didn't what's his spot is he a small forward is he a power forward he's probably really best maybe on a good team off the bench but but you can't pay him what they're paying him. You're you're gonna have to pay him, you know, in that mid seven to ten million dollar range, and that's not where he's at right now. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Now let's uh, let's go ahead and dive right into New Orleans. Seems to be what a lot of people want to talk about. Do they have anyone that's that's on the trade block? Um. No. I think that they are. Um, they think that they are. Um, they're going to keep it together. I think that they're buyers. I think that's what I heard like a week ago, that they're buyers <laughs> on the market. So um, I, I think they're trying to get Dame or something like that. I thought they were, you know, they, maybe they could have got Porzingis. Yeah. Like, you know, they could have been. Yeah, that was a, that was a, interesting. Obviously, uh, earlier today, um, just just before we started, uh, Porzingis came out this morning and said that he um, left a meeting and kind of sounded like maybe he wanted to leave New York and not Four hours later, he's on his way to Dallas. So um, that was my first thought was is that I wonder if that would be an interesting piece for uh, New Orleans for Anthony Davis. But obviously, they went another direction. Well, and just be- before we get right back to New Orleans, I mean, what Dallas did with that, <clears throat> getting Porzingis for just an abject salary dump. And some of those players, I would imagine, are going to be either traded in a one-on-one or... Or will be bought out. I mean, I can see DeAndre going to Houston, maybe. And so the, the trade was Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Lee, Courtney Lee, and um, there was one other. There was one other yeah. small, small player. But those are the big pieces going and, to Dallas, and then Dallas sending back DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan, um, Dennis Smith Jr. Wes Matthews yep. and a first round pick. 
which it doesn't say if it's multiple or if it's just one. It just says first round pick compensation. Right. Is what I is what I read. So. You know that those players, I doubt either one of them plays a game for the Knicks. I'd be surprised. You know, if they don't get moved here in the next week or bought out shortly after. Um, since since Jordan's already in in Dallas, that's a short short trip to Houston for the rest of the year. I could see him going there. Um, the Thunder, I, I I can see them picking up maybe a Matthews. I mean, they they still got. The, their one guard, their defensive guard that's been out most of, most of the year, um, and so th- those guys will go. Those guys will go somewhere else pretty quick, I would imagine. They, I, I doubt they ever suit up for New York. And why would New York want them to? They they're trying to lose as many games as possible to be in that bottom three and have you know have the best chance at at Zion or take your take your Duke player pick uh, of who they want to go get. So. Look for those guys. Look for those guys to be available. Pretty much everybody that that New York got here very shortly. Yeah, Bobby Marks actually just tweeted out. I would circle DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews as two potential buyout players to keep an eye on. Players need to be waived by March first to be playoff eligible. Well, so thank you, Bobby, for listening to the show. <laughs> um, and it's also an interesting coming from both teams because Porzingis is not going to be playing, so they're both going to be in tank mode for the rest of the year. Right. I mean, they're both going to be looking for high draft picks. It's not like he's going to Dallas and Dallas is now going to make a playoff push. I mean, they lost pretty much all of their veteran players, so they're definitely going to be a team that is... Dallas won't get into the bottom three, but they they'll, they probably won't win a tremendous amount of games the rest of the year. And if they get a top six, seven pick and add that to Porzingis and Luka next year, that's going to be, that's going to be a fun team to watch down there in Dallas. They won't be maybe... Super good for a while, but certainly something that they can build on. Um, and some of the pieces they got. Not, I mean, Hardaway Jr. can score at times, I guess. So uh, we'll see. I just it, it's more about you know where some of those pieces are going to go around the league and what what playoff contenders that Jordan and Matthews will go to. That that'll be interesting. I know some some Blazer fans uh, like the idea of Wesley Matthews coming back here. You know, be he, he's not the defender he once was, but you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Could he take that Curry role, shooter off the bench? Uh, I I suppose he could. I don't know. I don't know if you you want. I mean, Curry's shooting. What he's the top three point shooter Curry, in the league this year. Yeah. So you know, do you want him taking that? I mean, defensively, yes, he he would be better. Um, or he would be taking time at the three. From Pot- potentially, he did play some three here before periodically with a small ball lineup, yeah, three guard lineup. It, it would depend on who got moved out. Probably, yeah. you know, you would have to see some movement of of Harkless or Turner or some some someone like that. Layman. You know, there, there is there are some teams around the league that actually like Turner. Yeah. Um, Boston likes Turner. They just don't like him what he's getting paid. Eighteen million dollars a year. Um they I don't think they would mind him back. Stevens wouldn't mind mind him back at all, but not not for that money. Okay, let's uh let's dive into uh New Orleans, Anthony Davis. Um let's talk about a couple of the periphery players. because um, I think realistically that's probably where Portland is gonna go more likely than the um Anthony Davis. So some of the guys on the outside, uh, Miracic and Julius Randle, um, have both been made available. They are both didn't play last night. Um, kind of seems as though, you know, they've they've kind of waved the white flag and they've gone in tank mode, removed Anthony Davis from everything that has to do with the Pelicans, and um, they're just looking to get pieces for the future. Um, what do you think the direction of the the Pelicans is going to be? Do you think that they're just going to you know, are they want to going to want to go the Indiana route and get young players that can play now, or are they going to want draft picks and guys on rookie contracts? It, it's it's hard when you well, and, and trying to take the temperature of, of New Orleans as a sports community. Period. After what happened to the Saints, <clears throat> and now you're going to lose Anthony Davis. You just got to be a gut punch to them. Do they? Do they? try and completely rebuild. I mean, you got to remember last year, this is a team that swept the Blazers and played at least okay against the Warriors. I mean, I think they only won one game, but they weren't they 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 weren't just completely blown. I mean, 
Portland didn't have almost a shot in any of those games. Yeah. So the Pelicans were not that. Now you had playoff Rondo, and and that's a big part. They're missing that big time this yeah. year. But they weren't that far, maybe from from being a team that outside of matchups maybe could get to the finals. They still weren't going to beat the Warriors, but if they don't play the Warriors in the second round, could they have beat someone else and maybe got because be just because of Davis and then mm-hmm. some of the secondary parts were pretty good. Now, I mean, they love Jeru Holiday down there, <clears throat> and do you? He's a, he's a very good player, and do, do you build around him? I mean, they have some pieces down there. You would you would think they should be better than they are. And there's some people that are like, listen, Davis is supposed to be an all world player, and you've got pieces down there that other teams seemingly want. You know, Marodich for what he can do. Um, Randall, I, I always liked Randall when he was in L.A. In fact, I. I would have been perfectly happy with him coming here. He's he's a mismatch almost any time he steps on the floor. You got to have kind of a certain role for him. But you had Holiday and and Rondo who's gone, and there's some other pieces down there. You're surprised that they're doing as poorly as they are. Yeah. Even with you know, I get Davis is all world and he's been hurt. But so how far away are they from being maybe a second tier playoff team, or do they just? I don't know that they go into complete rebuild just because they're paying Holiday too much. So I think they try and surround him with some pieces and and, and get back. And, and they'll get a good draft pick this year. They should get a decent one. Uh, I don't think they go completely young. And for what it's worth, Drew Holiday and Evan Turner are besties. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute besties. So, you know, that would be... Who knows what it would take to get him down there? That would certainly provide some salary cap relief, and then you know you have to tweak your set your bench lineup a little bit. But who knows? Yeah. So, what do you think, Mirchich? Do you think he fits with what the Blazers are doing? He fits in great here as as a stretch four. I mean, Stotts has long lamented wanting a stretch four, and <clears throat> Mirchich would be someone that. You can't leave open. Teams, you know, Aminu shoots well in the playoffs because and his stats go up. I mean, you look at him in the playoffs, you're like, man, he's he's doing really well. Well, that's because the teams design it that way. They're like, here, we're going to play five-on-four defense, and we're just going to leave Aminu over here and let him shoot wide-open shots all game long. And if you think that's going to beat us, go ahead and go with that. It's not going to. Yeah. And, and he's getting completely wide open shots and his his percentage goes up and and good for him for making those Meritich you've got to guard him Mm -hmm. you can't just leave him because he'll if you completely leave him and I've seen some stats where left unguarded what his percentage climbs up to it's it's not in your best interest as a defense so he would absolutely help Um, now defensively you're gonna you're gonna give up something from Aminu because that's one thing that he's pretty good at and he can guard a couple different spots I think he fits here pretty well. I'd like to see the Blazers have that problem. Yeah. And, you know, for, for whatever you send back out, you know, in, in terms of contracts, see what he does this year and he's an expiring. And if it doesn't work, you've got some cap space. And if it does work, you re-sign him to something probably not too far off what he's getting now. It's yeah. not, It shouldn't cost you a lot. Yeah. Um, I think interesting, depending on what the outgoing is, would you be able to then, because outside shooting wouldn't be a problem, could you slide Aminu back to the three so you'd still be able to get that defensive three? Because the problem becomes if Aminu's not going out, where's where's Collins getting time? And you know him and Myers, you know Nurkic. That's a that's a loaded front court if you're still having Aminu play the play the four. So oh, I I like Aminu at the three. I think that's where he should be. It's where he played pretty much his entire career until he got here. I think he's more of a mismatch at a three, he, he, and he can switch off. It, it, it really helps you on your switches because you're trying to hide your smaller backcourt, yeah. you know, guys that aren't as good defensively. If you've got a Minu back there at the three and can, can switch off from there onto a couple of different positions, I think that that might even make them better defensively. It lets him be kind of the, the guy he was before. Of course, you want your small forward to be able to pass and dribble. A little better than, than Aminu does. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. But I, I like him at the three. I, I like him at the three better than at the four, which is why I think Miritich fits in here very well. And so if that means Harkless is is headed out with 
you know, what other pieces to make that work. I, I think the trade would actually work with those two, um, but Portland would want to send something else Because he's out. expiring as well. Uh, next is this year or next year that this he's year. expiring, yeah. but he, but even even that he, his contracts only two and a half million or whatever whatever million less they would want to make that it, they're going to have to include some other pieces so that Portland's yeah. not paying mo- even more in luxury tax yeah yeah so whatever whatever else it's going to be added to that uh, okay so Julius Randall we you talked a little bit about him how do you think he pairs with what Portland has. Up front, I I like I like him too. Now I like him off the bench instead of instead of a starting role. But he's he's an instant offense kind of guy. He creates mismatches. He's he's too quick for bigs. He's too strong for guys that are smaller. Um, you know, defensively again, you may have some of the same issues. But you saw what he did in a game earlier this year when Davis was out, and he just he tore the Blazers apart. They they couldn't guard him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's kind of always been able to do that. Now you you have to mix and match where you're going to play him, and and contract wise, you'd have to figure out what that's going to be if you're going to try and keep him. But I like him as well. And again, we're back to there's a lot of pieces that I like that New Orleans has. That why weren't they better? And and I get some of the injuries, um, but I, I like Randall as well. And if you, those are the types of guys I think you're going to get. Davis, you're not getting Davis. Even though I think if a team were to trade for him this year, we talked a little bit about this before, if, if a team were to trade for him right now, get him for the rest of this season and for next season, he makes two playoff runs with the same team, that team's going to be able to sign him for more money. You know, He says he wants to go to L.A., but if you've been let, – let's say he goes to the Blazers, which he's not going to, but let's say he did. And does that does – that, Put them in the Western Conference Finals. You you would think with with what where everyone else is now, and we're not through the trade deadline, but where everyone else is now, Portland would have as good a shot as as anybody to get to the finals. They're not going to beat the Warriors, but if they get there this year, and then next year make a run again, and maybe you add, even add some pieces this off season of, of of guys going, hey, I'll come play for the MLE because I'm joining Dame and Nurk and 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 Davis, yeah. assuming it would take CJ and parts. We'll just yeah. assume that. I think you get some guys coming here. Now you make another run, and what does Golden State look like next year? You know, Durant, where is he going to go? Cousins, what's he going to get re-signed for? Clay, Clay, where is he going to go? I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces down there. Golden State could look different next year. Yeah. And if you made a run this year, and say the Warriors drop a piece next year, and you you get to the Western Conference Finals again, or maybe even the Finals, I mean, I, I get that that's pretty pie in the sky thinking, but but. If Davis were to come to this team, you would think Western Conference Finals is not a stretch. And if they were to do make that kind of run a Two couple times. years in a row with the money that Portland can offer him, that, that might be tough to leave, especially if where he wants to go. By the time he'd been in Portland for that long, LeBron's 36. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean LeBron's still not going to be good at 36. I don't think Portland's getting it, but a team like that, I think if they had him for a couple of years and were really a contender, which is what he said he wanted, and then his agent added big, big market <laughs> to contender and got himself a, what was that, five-cent fine, ten-cent yeah. fine? <laughs> what, what was that exactly? They pulled it out of the couch cushions. Um, Magic may have actually paid that. No, okay, I can't say that. So I, that type of scenario, while I think is still small. LeBron paid it. Yeah, LeBron probably paid it. Is I think a possibility if I think you have a greater possibility if he's traded now versus if they hold him till summertime and he's just with the team for one year. Um, although you know maybe they hold out for that because Boston can come in and probably make a better or a really good offer compared yeah. to what some other teams offer. I, <clears throat> I don't think Portland's getting him, but if if you if it was if it was CJ and. I don't know. Collins. Collins. And I mean, who else is offering something? Now, certainly Boston could, but they can't right now because of Kyrie. So outside of that, who else is offering something, you know, as productive as that? Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's. Some, I've heard Simmons' name come up. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple other teams that I've seen some things, but I don't see them being any better offers than Portland. Now, yeah. no deal's been made yet either. Yeah. I think, you know, 
making the Blazer fans happy talking about this. I of the teams that have something right now, I think it's pretty much come down to you know two or three teams that that most people think could make a deal with him with the Pelicans by the deadline. Lakers, Blazers, and maybe like Toronto. Um, you know, when you look at Philadelphia, you know, we've been talking about Simmons, but they have the same agent. So a lot of times those things, even though agents don't get to dictate where people go, a lot of times that can influence um, what happens, especially, you know, if having such a poor uh, experience with with that agent, I think that would maybe hedge a little bit bets with Ben Simmons because um, we've been talking about maybe Ben Simmons for Davis. What? Right, and but but even even some of these different offers, I saw that you know the Lakers and somebody somebody tweeted out that that they were now willing to include Ball, Kuzma, Ingram, Zubats, and a first. Yeah. Well, that those four guys plus Randall, who was already in New Orleans, were crap last year. Yeah. So what what good is that? I mean, yes, they're young and they're growing, and they're getting better. I just. Ball's injury prone. Ingram does not look, and I thought he would be better than he is. I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll admit I missed on him. I yes. thought he would be better. Um, Kuzma, nice, you know, stretch for peace. Zubots yeah. will have a game here or there. I, it, I don't see that being anything. I mean, CJ is the best player out of all of those by far yeah. in, in terms of, of production. And when you start looking at CJ's stats when he plays without Dame, and, and I've, I've maintained this for a long time, that, that CJ, for, for all the things that we may or may not like about him, give him his own team, and I think he's even better. In yeah. fact, maybe quite a bit better. But so you, you look at his stats without, without when he plays without Dame, when Dame's hurt or something, and, and his assists go up quite a bit. Yeah. His efficiency tends to go up because he likes having the ball in his hands, and he just can't do that when he and Dame are on the floor at the same time. Yeah. So CJ is by far the best player out of anybody that I've seen, and and I I guess Simmons because of the potential, but he I mean he can't shoot outside of five feet yet. Yeah. And until he can, that's I don't know how good of a player he is. I think it, it goes back to the, what direction does. Um, do the Pelicans want to go? Do they want to completely rebuild and go young? Obviously, Boston is the best place for for that option. If they want to rebuild on the fly, you know, maybe have a year or two of, of being down, but you know, still be able to draw some, go more of the Indiana route. Um, I think that CJ is a you know, like you said, the best player that's available. So, and then whatever pieces they'd be able to get for some of these other guys like Randall and um, Miracic, then I think that that you know. That leads some optimism for Blazer fans, even though it's not going to happen. But for another week, Blazer fans can dream. <laughs> you know, someone asked, someone here on the board, a tortured Blazer fan asked asked here on on the S two forum, are the Blazers better off waiting waiting out all the 2016 contracts? And the Blazers will have a tremendous amount of ending salary, um, but the problem is there's a lot of other GMs that made the same mistake that Olshay did and overpaid marginal players. There are a lot of teams that have a lot of contracts coming off the book. So I, I don't know if waiting it out is going to, you're not, it's, it's not going to mean that much when there's so many other expiring contracts out there. And maybe it's better to do some of that this season um, and reset a little bit than waiting till next year when it's, it's kind of the same thing as when Portland had all the cap space before. So did everyone else yeah. due to the, the cap going way up. Well, now you're going to have a whole bunch of expiring yeah. contracts all at the same time. And I think the other thing to think about is the you know the uncertainty at the ownership level. You know, it's a team going to be sold this summer. You know, what is what are the mandates that you know the team is under? Can they add salary? Can they not add salary? I think those are those are big unknowns that no one can really can really plan for. So. <clears throat> I, I talked to someone about this, about, you know, if the minuscule possibility of Davis coming and, and taking on that type of contract and then what you would have to re-sign him for and um, financially what that would mean. But <clears throat> as an owner, boy, what a, what, a, yeah. what a play thing, you know, a new set of toys to have is I've got a new franchise. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got a new franchise and I have Dame, uh-huh. Anthony Davis, Nurkic and who else wants to come play with those yeah. three guys? 
I don't see that as a detriment to a sale. In fact, I think that's upside. I think that's upside absolutely. So, you know, might it might it hamper their salary cap a little bit or or you know cost a little more here and there? Yes, but when you're dealing with these owners with the type of money they have, I don't see that as a big deal. I see that as being you add Anthony Davis to that toy chest and that gets a lot more attractive in a hurry. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about uh, most of the trades that have been rumored with Portland. Um, let's kind of look a little bit forward now. Um, we've got a stretch here for the Blazers. I think 17 games. What do we say? 13 of those are going to be on the road? Yeah, I believe so. They're, only, they're home games. You've got two home games with Miami and San Antonio. One, at, one with Golden State and then Oklahoma and Phoenix. Right before the last three home games, so you got five home games. Five home games out of yeah. the next seventeen. <clears throat> that's a big. Uh, that's a big stretch. Um, I, that'll that'll bring them to about even on the home road um, ratio. I think they'll they'll have one more home game than road game after that stretch. So this is really kind of where they make up for the whole season um, is with all of these road games. Um, kind of going through them, we we sat down beforehand and and went through these games and kind of did the yes no win loss. Um, and what did we come up with? About, I think I think we were somewhere around ten and seven. Yeah, ten and Not, seven. Ten and seven, nine and eight, somewhere in there. Just <clears throat> even though Portland's been paying a little better as of late, a lot of that has been has been home. Although the the, the win at at Utah might have been the best win of the year, and and some people will say Golden State. Both teams played so poorly in that game. It's tough to get you know judge much about about what that meant but the game the game they won against uh utah earlier uh where utah's been on such a good run that's a really good road win now can they keep that up because their road record this year is not good um and more of these teams are going to be against outside of the one long trip to the east coast the remaining schedule is largely against west coast teams where they're basically right at 500 so you take more more road games and more teams against the Western Conference, and historically that has not boded well for the Blazers. However, historically the second half has boded well for the Blazers, so which one's going to give? Yeah, so you look at the home games. They have home games against uh, Miami, the Spurs, um, Golden States, Oklahoma City, and the Suns in that stretch. So you figure four out of those five are probably going to be wins. Um, road games, they have Dallas, Oklahoma City, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Charlotte, Memphis, the Clippers, Pels, and again, against the Spurs on the road. So, uh, you know... Definitely some some tough games in there with that road trip. It's a seven game road trip, um, which is always kind of one of those hard trips for Portland to make. Um, but they do end with Charlotte and Memphis, which are two two games that they should be able to win. And I think it's going to be good to have kind of a couple of a uh, couple of games there that are kind of back to back. They're not actually back to back, but they're two games um, that are after each other. They have the Celtics and then uh, the Raptors. And I think that'll be a good, it's kind of right in the middle of that seven game road trip. And I think that'll be a good kind of test for the Blazers and just kind of see where they're at against two top teams from the East. Um, and just kind of really give a judge of, of, uh, how well they are playing. Um, because when you're, you're playing some of these other teams, like, you know, the Nets or Cleveland, I I don't think you're going to get much of a, a gauge of where they're at, but I think having those two road games really kind of tell, you know, kind of what the Blazers are about this year. Well, what's nice about that road trip, you do not have one single back-to-back, and that's rare for that long of a road trip. So um, that that should help them. Even if they go, and I, I think we were around 10 and 7, 9 and 8, uh, even if they were to go 9 and 8, you, you hope they could they could stay above that 500 mark over that over that 17-game stretch, even with all those road games. Even if they could just go 9 and 8, that puts them at... 13 games over. 41 and, and 28. They're 13 games over with um, 13 games left to play. So if you've got 41, 41 wins with 13 games left to play, I mean, you've, you've still got a shot uh, at 50 uh, because you're home and, home and road games at the end, after that stretch, you're about even. 
So if the, if they can go if they can go ten seven in this next seventeen game stretch, I think they get to fifty games. Yeah. I think they get to fifty wins. And those last seven, there's a lot of games against teams that are not going to be trying to win. There's a couple against the Pistons. Um, yeah, two Dallas. Two, two late season games against. Well, we didn't we didn't really we talk, talk about. Yeah, we didn't we'll talk come about, back to that one. We didn't talk about the Detroit. Yeah, um, Indiana, who is now who knows what they're going to do with. Um, Oladipo out. Um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. They got the Bulls. Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Kings, which that should be an interesting one. But they do have two games with Denver, which could be huge uh, coming down the stretch. Um, so that would be a good one. And they have Minnesota and uh, the Lakers as well. So um, a lot of those games are, are games that they should win um, at the end. Um, and I, I think that those two, it's going to be – they're not back-to-back games again, but they are uh, – Games that are uh, one after the other is uh, Denver away and then Denver at home, um, and that's on uh, April fifth and seventh. So um, I think that's that'll be a good uh, a good series there. Yeah, th- those are huge games in in the midst of a, a, what should be an easier stretch of the schedule. Um, by the time you get to that, Denver's yeah. I keep waiting for Denver to come back to the pack, and they're just they're not doing it. They've They've stayed up there. They they were you know been one two for most of the season. The Warriors have finally caught them, um, but they they've got a you know three games ahead in the loss column. The Thunder five on the Blazers. That five losses ahead it, it is a lot when you've only got fifteen losses for the year. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty big. But you number. got two against them. You got you, you would have to win them both yes. to have any chance. Yeah. Um, not only to have any chance of catching them, but that would even up your tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, and then put some of the other tiebreakers. Portland's division record is not good. Denver's only lost, I think, one in in the division. Yeah. So Portland's way behind that. Um, they they would they would have to win both of those back to back to have any shot at all uh, of catching them. And I, I I just I don't know if I see that happening. All right. So let's uh, one quick trade, and then we gotta we gotta get out of here. It's running a little long. Um, uh, we Blake Griffin. He uh, he came up, sounded like he was a little upset with uh, with Detroit and kind of the way things are going down there. And it came out that a couple teams, he may be on the block, and Portland was mentioned as one of the possible destinations. Again, Portland being aggressive out there. Very how. very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Remember, just put that put that as your your tweet yeah. tweet hashtag word for the day. Yes. Well, would, wouldn't it be? <clears throat> Very Portland to acquire someone once again named Blake because I think we traded for Steve Blake about four times, yeah. and then obviously the Neil Olshake connection from from Clipper days. Yeah. Neil likes guys that he's been associated with both before. That wouldn't surprise me, even though that is a massive contract. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all if if you're going to get a big name out of it, Davis I don't think is going to happen but I could see Blake Griffin and I and not that I've heard anything about that but I could see Blake Griffin being as much of a possibility as any of the other big name players that that are rumored to be out there right now yeah especially given that it's another uh the other conference so you know teams always like to trade their their uh, star players to other conferences so I think that's a big um a big plus that would be for the Blazers um it's uh, I, it's it's a weird thing with Neil O'Shea. He said that I, I think I heard uh, Isaac Rob talking about this. He's really hot and cold on players. If he has a guy that he likes, then he really likes that player. You know, you look at like Aminu. Aminu was a guy that he drafted, and then um, he ended up trading for or signing him as a free agent. You know, like what was it three years later? So when Neil O'Shea likes somebody, he definitely likes them, and he will continue to like them. So. Um, you look at C.J. McCollum and his, you know, affinity to not trade C.J. McCollum, no matter what the uh, what the possibilities are of making a trade or you know what other people may think of uh, making the team better. He he, when he has a guy, he likes that guy, and uh, he doesn't really make any you know if ands or buts about it. And um, you know when you look at a guy like Kevin Love, who you know he's never really shown any you know affinity for and. He's been rumored to be with Portland, you know, seems like three times a year, and you never hear anything about actually Neil O'Shea making any conversations about Kevin Love. So I think it's really interesting that you know when you talk about Neil O'Shea and 
you know, just kind of the guys that he likes, and he'll he'll make mm-hmm. sure that he goes after those guys until um, until he gets them if there's somebody that he likes. So I think he's he could be uh, could be somebody that the Blazers would be interested in. Well, here <clears throat> here's how big Blake's contract is. If for some reason Neil wanted to hold on to all his players, which he seems to want to do. Um, and you were only trading it for contracts that would equal. Now Detroit would never ever they would never do this, but it would take Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, and Alfarico Minu just to equal Blake's salary. And those and we think all three of those guys are overpaid. Yeah, that's how big his contract is. It is it is massive, and it goes for four years. Yeah. So, you know, he's what twenty nine now. Twenty nine going going on thirty. That is a that is a big big number to take on given his injury history, which is is the same thing you have to deal with Davis. Yeah, you know, maybe one of the maybe one of the top three guys guys in the league with Davis, but he misses a lot of games. Yeah, Blake Griffin's gonna be a lot cheaper than Anthony Davis, so down the road probably yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, cheaper as in acquiring. Oh yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, just D- Detroit. I don't know what's going on with them. They they're having Drummond's rumored to be on the block. Yeah. Reggie Jackson's rumored, which I understand. Blake kind of wants out, so they're they're having some issues too. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it. We've been going for a little bit longer than we thought we would. So um, that happens at trade time. I do have, and I should have probably mentioned this at the beginning. Um, I do have a set of Blazer tickets and a pass to. The Adidas employee store to give away. So, so how, um, how are we going to do this where this isn't live? Um, so let's do it on Twitter. Okay. Um, what's your Twitter handle? TBPup at twenty two. And mine is PJ Miller sixteen. So uh, give us both a follow. Oh, and I'm, I guess I'm at TBPup twenty two. Yeah. There we go. Um, and uh, give us a follow and um, tweet at both of us and uh, tell us uh, what trade. Or what piece you think Portland will um, will get, and what they have to give in return, and we'll choose uh, two of the best uh, that we like, maybe the ones that we think are going to happen, maybe the funniest. We don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll choose a couple of uh, a couple of those trade suggestions, and uh, we'll we'll give out some Blazer tickets. It'll be for the Dallas game, so you get to see uh, Luka Doncic. Um, that'll be the game, and then uh, also a uh, pass for uh, somebody else. That's awesome. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually planning on going to the Doncic game just because I I love watching him. He is he is he is fun to watch even with, you know, he's a rookie, still learning and everything. But at 19 years old, he does some things that there's not a lot of guys in this league that can do. All right, that'll do it. So yeah, we got one week to go. We'll we'll find out uh, if, if Neil's awake. Um, if he slept <laughs> through the whole thing, aggressively slept. <laughs> Very aggressive. All right. Have a good day.